Hello, beautiful fairy tale fix listeners. Uh, this is Abby. And this is Kelsey. And we're just doing a quick little intro to provide uh, some context for this episode. Um, as some of you may know, we are taking summer break. And last last summer, we did mermaid shit for July. This summer, though, we're doing hashtag Swamp Witch Summer. That uh, means that Kelsey and I are going to be taking a well-deserved break, filling our pockets with mushrooms and shiny rocks and, you know, just just generally hexing people that we don't like uh, or if we stub our toe and there's someone nearby that uh, we think might have caused it, uh, you know. <laughs> I think we. I think you should also sort of embrace thing. Swamp Witch Summer if you so yeah. choose. We should all do Swamp Witch Summer. <laughs> and today we have a Patreon preview for you. This is the sort of story you will get if you were to join our Patreon. We come out with a new bonus episode every other month. And we asked our patrons what stories they liked the best that they thought we should release this summer. And they are so awesome. They recommended this is the number one recommendation of our patrons mm-hmm. role. <laughs> merman Rosmer and the fisherman and the merman and the toad bride. Three okay. absolute bangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Episode is called making it chill for the working people. So it was chosen by our patrons, and they loved Merman Rosmer for his long, long arms. So enjoy this nightmare fuel. We hope you love it, and we'll see you August 8th. Enjoy. Yeah, and if that didn't fit, Dustin, if you ended up getting any of the like earlier stuff in, you can take out what I just said. I just thought I wanted to mention it because it was really sweet. It was <laughs> I just, really sweet. I don't know if it would get in there. <laughs> I adore her. She's great. How's that for a professional? <laughs> now we're just all over the fucking place. <laughs> You're welcome. So cute. I saw beans. <laughs> yeah, little toe beans. Little kitty toe beans. She has her little shelf um, on oh. my window. And like lately, she's been picking up when I'm coming up here to work or record. Mm-hmm. And so she'll follow me up the stairs and then demand to be put on her little window shelf. Oh, that's so cute. It is so cute. I would like for my cat to be hanging out with me all the time, but she's also very annoying. She she always knows when I'm talking to someone on like a, you know, like a work meeting or something and she just uh-huh. starts yowling, like screaming at me. <laughs> like that's when she wants me to touch her. Uh-huh. <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> as soon as you're paying away. attention to someone else, she suddenly like wants all yeah. of it. Anyway, this is fairy tale fix. Yes, uh, a, our bonusode. Yet another one. Yay! This is our June bonusode. Mm-hmm. So we have been on vacation for a little while. Probably got a tan. Definitely enjoyed a few drinks on the beach. Probably not a beach, but <laughs> we're saying probably a lot because we are actually recording this our June bonus episode at the beginning of May, so that we yeah. can go take that aforementioned break. I know. I'm I'm very <laughs> excited about it. I will definitely miss uh miss telling you tales, but I'm also kind of excited to let my brain rest for a little bit. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Especially during such like a sort of like a busy time of year with a lot of outdoor events and festivals and just oh, other yeah. other stuff pulling at you. Uh, yep. I'm I'm also looking forward to taking a bit of a break. But I am uh, we so we actually have a recorded uh, in a week or two, yeah, it's I been think. a little, a little bit. And I actually, the break is going to work. The break is going to go really, really well. I think because by the time we got to this episode, I was like, oh, I want to talk to Kelsey about this. I need mm-hmm. to talk to Kelsey about this. Ooh, I really want to tell her this story. 
Yes, definitely. I know. I'm so excited. I have, I'm kind of like starting, already starting to plan the stories I want to tell you for August. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my God. I want to cover so some, uh, we're going to cover some bigger fairy tales and mm-hmm. we're going to have some really fun guests. Speaking of fairs and festivals and stuff you might want to do outside during our break, didn't you go to a fairy festival of some kind last weekend? I did. I went to uh, a little fairy festival. I can't even remember what it was called at this point. Um, It was really small. It was in a little town in Northern California called Yuba City. So (laughs) it was just at the fairgrounds. It was really cute. I went mostly because I got to see a band I really like called Dreamers. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so weird to me that they were playing at some sort of um, like fairy festival, but it was cute. I took my niece. There was like a wishing wagon and a bunch of people, you know, dressed up. There were a bunch of people doing sword fighting and, you know, some ladies dressed up as fairies. And they came up to Olivia and, like, sprinkled her with glitter and stuff and That's told her to cute. make a wish. And, yeah, it was really fun. Um, and the wishing well was really cool. It was all, like, sparkly and purple inside. And she had little, like, fairy di- – not dioramas, but, like, it looked like she had, like, a little tank of where a fairies would live. Mm-hmm. And it was really cute. She had like the wishing portal. And it was like one of those electric balls that you touch and the electricity like comes to your finger, you know? Ooh, and it was stuck yeah. in there behind like a little window. And Olivia, my niece, kept going up and she kept whispering, unicorn, unicorn. I want a unicorn. <laughs> oh my God, that's so, so cute. It was so funny. Uh, her mom and me were like, me too, girl. <laughs> Keep wishing. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I want a unicorn. <laughs> Universe, was- bring me a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun time with my sister and my niece. And we got like, I don't know, meat pies and snow cones and all sorts of good stuff. And the band did come. Um, I really like them. They're they're not like my absolute favorite band of all time, but I do like a lot of their songs. And it was so crazy because I didn't realize they were such a small band. And there Mm -hmm. were only like 30 people left because the fair closed at five and they started playing at five. It was a really weird like. Oh, that is a little weird. Like the fair starts like kind of started closing. People were leaving. So I don't think a lot of people realize that there was another band playing. So I got a super intimate show with a bunch of, you know, really nice people. I met a few people while we were there and um, it was just a great time. I loved it. That's really cool. Like, didn't you say there were only like 30 people or so that actually watched the show? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and they played like, you know, maybe four or five songs that I really enjoy. It felt like the simulation I'm living in is getting sloppy (laughs) it just felt so unreal like every like my my universe is glitching out a little it was so weird and I you know just watching I guess I've never been to such a small so a small show where Mm -hmm. you watch band members actually setting up their own instruments and stuff I guess I've only been to bigger shows where they have you know security and yeah and it's like a venue and not a (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah so it was really fun. And they they nailed it. They played so well. Like they didn't, um, you know, we, there was like no one there. So we were all shouting songs that we wanted to hear. Uh-huh. And it was funny because he's like writing them down. And I'm like, painkiller. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And he nods and he writes it down. It was really exciting. That's really cute. Yeah. They did such a good job. They, you know, made it really fun. Like they didn't act like they were too good for the 30 people that were there, even though they are, <laughs> they definitely are too good for that. They're a great band. So uh, if you want to check them out, I recommend. Get I a like bigger fan base for the dreamers going so that they yeah. can sell out bigger <laughs> shows. I like a uh, painkiller. And I also recommend die happy. I don't know. It's, it's just like kind of fun, upbeat pop rock music. Yeah, I like the Dreamers. I think that I think they're cute. Like I, mm-hmm. I re- like they're also they're not they're not anywhere close to my favorite band either. But I like <laughs> I do really enjoy their enjoy their music when I do hear it occasionally. Yeah, it's it's fun. good. Give me like I don't know tingles watching them play it live, and I was just right there at the front because there was no one else. 
Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Or there was, you know, maybe up front there were like 12 people. Everybody else was out kind of like dispersed in the back. It was like they were mm-hmm. playing for a classroom. I don't know. It was really cool. That is really cool. And I'm glad that they weren't like, um, that they were, that they had, a, that they were good about it, I guess. Um, yeah. Like I kind of thought they were going to see the crowd and then cancel mm-hmm. and just be like, this isn't worth our time. But they didn't. Yeah. Because I remember. And they had I, a lot of energy and they were even like talking to the audience because it was so small, you know, they were just being super sweet. And yeah. That's actually fun. really cool to get to see like a more intimate show with a band, with a band that you like because you actually do just get more of their attention. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it was, uh, it was wild. Cause the one time, I think the one time I've been to like a, a show that ended up being pretty small. Um, it's not, for, it wasn't, it's actually not for a band. I like at all. It's for a like post heart. <laughs> it's like a post hardcore screamo sort of thing that, uh, yeah. Steven really liked in college. And so we went to see Icarus, the owl at Chico States auditorium oh cool it it could have been cool if the band hadn't been so sulky that it that there were only about 30 people there see that's what makes the huge difference yeah i think is that they dreamers weren't weren't sulky they were really sweet and having a lot of fun yeah oh, like, uh, yeah the guitarist actually came out and let us all strum his guitar he nice like, that's so fun That's wonderful. Right? Kind of like we actually saw Rob Zombie in Chico at one point. Yeah, we did. And it was a small venue. And he also kind of made fun of how small it was. And he's like, for such a little town, you guys are so fucking loud. And like everybody (laughs) screamed. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. What a proud (laughs) moment for our little town. Uh Uh-huh. Such a small town. You're so fucking loud. That was great. But I could definitely see how being – in front of such a small group would be kind of disappointing to a band too. So no, no I, like judgment. I would probably feel a little like, I yeah, don't know, a little more nervous, I guess. A little nervous and a little upset. Like just feel like it was just kind of a little bit of a waste of your time to stop here because they were mm-hmm. touring. Yep. And, uh, and also the acoustics in that room were really bad because it wasn't even like the main auditorium. It was on the second floor above the main auditorium where there's another room. Oh, like the acoustics were terrible, especially for that kind of music, which is like, you know, uh, metal screamo punk stuff. Yeah. I can think uh, of a bunch of venues that would have been better. Yeah. Wow. A bunch that were w- so like the, the venue, the venue was bad. There were only a handful of people there. I, I understand why they weren't pleased, but they were also so sulky, like visibly, visibly yeah. upset and visibly like bored and and just thought this wasn't a good use of their time, which, yeah. you know, your fan like you have a lot of diehard fans in this town that still paid to show up and see you like you can. Yeah, you can buck up a little bit. <laughs> Seriously, like and, and do what the dreamers did, which is like, OK, have fun with that then. Like. Mm-hmm. Be cool. <laughs> I'm glad you had a really good time. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. I got lots of sun and uh, I had some mead, which was delicious. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the bar people were always my favorite. They were super funny. Every time you left a tip, they would scream like "Good tipper!" and ring a bell, and go "Huzzah!" <laughs> <laughs> That's a great positive reinforcement tactic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really cute. That's awesome. That sounds cause so because I also went to a fairy festival last weekend. You did? Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. I went to I went to the um, Maryland Fairy Festival in Marshy Point. Oh, or, or, how was at, it at the Marshy Point Nature Center? I bet it was a lot bigger, huh? Not really. Uh, it really? was smaller than I thought it was going to be. It was it was nice, like it was fun, but it was also clearly for kids. Uh huh. Yeah. Which which is, you know, fine and about what I expected. But there were a lot mm-hmm. of activities for kids. They had a lot of Irish music and uh, like Irish band style stuff, which was mm-hmm. also really fun. Like the music was really good. A lot of like fair food came out. Uh, one, one Maryland winery, <laughs> which 
was fine <laughs> selling wine <laughs> by the bottle. And I saw more than a couple like moms just like walking around with just an open bottle of wine in their hand, like leading their kids in between various <laughs> activities. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Like they weren't selling a glass. They're just selling. Oh, like, you could buy, you could buy it by the glass. <laughs> well, why would you do that? Would you no, just why buy would the you whole do bottle? that? Well, especially since the ladies at the table were actively saying like, if you plan on having more than one glass, the buying a bottle is a better value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pro tip. <laughs> Pro I tip. But it was really cool. There were a lot of great like craft vendors there. So I actually bought a lot of cool stuff. I bought nice. a crown, like a festival Ooh. crown. It's like a wreath of flowers with like a skull on it. Oh, you'll have to show me. That I'll, awesome. I'll take a picture and show you. It's phenomenal. And then a bunch of little pictures of animals dressed up as Renaissance people. Mm-hmm. So cute. <sighs> <laughs> and including one alien dressed up as a Renaissance person with a ruff and everything. And that, that picture was named The Tourist. Nice. <laughs> it was cute. It was really cute. The coolest part, though, honestly, was the fact that it was at a nature center and the nature center was open during the festival. Oh, I so love that. I got to go look at all of the cool animals and I got to Hell see a yeah. bunch of snakes and I got to see a bunch of turtles and I got to see... Uh, a bunch of birds. They had a lot of cool um, local local birds. Like they had owls and a couple hawks, oh, <laughs> a bunch of I turkeys. Love I love nature center. So yeah, obviously. <laughs> so I don't know. It was it was really cute. It was nice. Very cool. Yeah, it was a good time. I don't know if I'd go back because it was definitely for kids, and so I think I think uh-huh. once maybe enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was definitely more geared towards children, I think. But they did have some fun stuff for adults. Before we get started uh, Mm -hmm. with our actual stories today, though, I have one very exciting piece of news to tell you. Oh, tell me. We have been pronouncing Baba Yaga wrong. Oh, we have? Uh, So my, (laughs) according to my coworker, who we we found out this week because it's you know it's finally summer so we're finally showing our arms at the office. We both oh, yeah. have a Baba Yaga hut on our shoulders. That's and awesome. so we were doing that Spider-Man meme thing at each other. And then <laughs> yeah. and then we had like a long discussion about Baba Yaga and mm-hmm. he's uh he was born he was born in Ukraine and emigrated oh, cool. here when he was 3 and his grandma his grandmother actually brought him up on Baba Yaga stories, uh, basically Fuck telling yeah. him that she would come eat him if he wasn't good. Oh, I love it. So we were talking about like our, our, like both of our connections to the story and the character and why we got the tattoos. And then he made fun of me for pronouncing it. He's like, God, you say it like such an American. And I was like, well, I am an American, <laughs> but how am I supposed to say it? And apparently you're supposed to say it Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga is how he kept saying it. So All right. Very cool. So I don't know if I'm necessarily going to change how I say it because Baba Yaga just sounds, it sounds wrong to my ear because I've been, (laughs) I've only ever heard it the other way, but yeah, but I also always don't like when, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, should you try to say it the like correct way with like that accent when it's not your accent? Mm hmm. Just any word, you know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely, because you don't. You want to walk the line between doing it right and make and like you don't want to sound like you're making fun of the accent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's not your accent or your culture, so yeah. And I I don't know how to do that, but but that but that is apparently how you're supposed to say it. So Baba Yaga. Well, uh, patrons, let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think we should say it should we switch? <laughs> well, I we probably... haven't switched to saying Charles Perot either. So no, no I will not. Won't I just I I will not. I don't. I don't think, you know, I used to, I know we've talked about this before, but I used to be like, it's bruschetta. It's an Italian dish. It's not French. It's not bruschetta. (laughs) No one fucking cares. Everyone still says bruschetta. No one, everyone thinks I am the asshole when I'm saying bruschetta. And I kind of am being the asshole. (laughs) So I just stopped. Like... <laughs> like you're being pretentious and no one cares. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> encyclopedia. 
<laughs> also, uh, calling it a vinaigrette when it's a citronette because there's no vinegar in that, you know, lemon, olive oil, salad dressing. It's a citronette, technically. I didn't know that. I'm still going to call it a vinaigrette. <laughs> That's another thing. That, like, <laughs> Probably just going to keep saying Baba Yaga. Probably. Unless I'm at work because I don't want him to make fun of me. <laughs> Get him to tell us what stories we should tell on the podcast. Well, he couldn't think of anything super specific as far as oh. an actual Baba Yaga fairy tale. Yeah, that's he, how a lot of folk tales are, though, when they're oral yeah. like that. It's just he just remembered hearing a bunch of a bunch of stories about children who misbehaved, and then she would eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Because I actually told him, like, oh, like I one of my favorite Baba Yaga stories is Vasilisa the Beautiful, and he's like, oh, what's that? So. <laughs> which uh by the way just in case it doesn't end up on this episode uh thank you to patron sarah who made a couple of really awesome memes yes <laughs> oh my Twitter. god speaking of <laughs> they were so good i was actually sitting at a bar when i <laughs> when i looked at that to my twitter feed and saw the um the quote abby said about like how are you going to go on adventures if your father doesn't sell you to Baba Yaga? And I literally did a spit take in the bar. Uh-huh. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I just started cracking up. I was by myself, like, waiting on some friends. It was really – it just made me laugh so much. Uh, yeah. Sarah, you are hilarious. Thank you Made for our day <laughs> to see those. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. Take the key and do what the bird says. <laughs> Always. Just don't ask just questions. Don't ask questions. Or do. I don't know. <laughs> the rules vary about whether or not you should be asking questions. Don't ask Baba Yaga any questions. Which which story are you telling me? What are you doing? What are we doing? So I'm really stoked. I am finally going to read from A Book of Mermaids. Yay! Summertime. It's summertime and I'm Oh, and it's Mermaid. Mermaid. It's Mermaid. That's right. And I also recently went to a mermaid bar. I'm sure you heard about that in our last episode or the one before. I can't remember where I talked about it, but it's still in my mind because she was so gorgeous and so hot. <laughs> so hot. She, God, she was beautiful. <laughs> so um, I am going to go with a story from a book of mermaids and I wanted to switch it up a little, switch up the, the narrative. And I was super stoked to see a story in here called Merman Rosmer. Merman Rosmer. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a story about a merman. Nice, nice. I was really excited to see that because I don't. Uh, the only other one we have on the show is in the jaws <laughs> of the merman, <laughs> uh, which is still my favorite story out of the Turnip Princess. <laughs> Yeah, we got to read more stories from that book. Mm, we sure do. I've actually got it here. We, I might I'm do wa- one today. I'm wondering if we could do some embellishments. Or are you picking a random one? Mm-hmm. Amazing. I've got another one. That, I've got an, I've got one really short one mm-hmm. that I'm going to read, and then if we still have time left over, I'm going to do uh, a random a random reading from the Turnip Princess. That's my plan. Uh, for today. I think you should definitely do that. It's a Danish story. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Danish story. Oh, I love it. Okay. So three predictions for the Danish story, Merman Rossman. That doesn't help you at all. It doesn't help me. That gives me absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, the merman lures a beautiful maiden into the sea. Prediction number one. Okay, I love it. Prediction number two, the merman eats someone because that's what I want. <gasps> eats someone. Because all I can think, when I hear merman, I think the merman from <laughs> Cabin in the Woods every time. Oh my gosh. Always with the blood blowhole. <laughs> uh, pa- pa- Patreon listeners, if you have not watched Cabin in the Woods, please do so. It's please do so that. good. It's very funny. And it has the best rewatch value of any horror movie ever because Absolutely. it's- Better after you know what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's glorious. Anyway, so that's what I want. I want the merman to eat someone. Uh, 
Slay spoiler for Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I mean, the mildest possible spoiler. <laughs> like, that is one cool thing out of 16 billion wild <laughs> things that happen in that movie. So, third prediction there's an important pearl. Ooh, I love that. An important pearl. Man, that's because that title gave me nothing. <laughs> Nope, it did not. Oh wow. Okay. Well, here. So your to recap, your predictions mm-hmm. were: the merman lures a beautiful maiden into the sea. Two, the merman eats someone, which is my favorite prediction. <laughs> Three, there's an important pearl. Yep. I Sticking it. with it. It's a bonus episode. I'm getting wild. Merman Rosmer. Oh, and by the way, this is uh, from a book of mermaids. And it is from Ruth Manning Sanders. There once was a proud woman called Lady Hillers, who had three sons and one daughter. And she had a mind to build herself a splendid castle on a cliff above the sea. Ooh. Don't we all? That's uh, good for her that that's something that's within reach. Fuck yeah. This woman has like goals and plans. And money. And money. And so much money. (laughs) (laughs) But the people said to her, don't build there. And Lady Hiller said, and pray, why not? Because of Merman Rosmer. (gasps) He's going to eat somebody. (laughs) (laughs) He'll eat your daughters. (laughs) Lady Hiller said, does Merman Rosmer own the earth as well as the ocean that I may not build where I please? I'm imagining okay. her as like Fanny. <laughs> she mm-hmm. gives me Fanny vibes. I love that because you're also, uh, for those, I mean, you know, for those of you listening at home, Kelsey's also tossing her head a lot <laughs> when she does this woman's dialogue. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was doing that. You are. It's adorable. <laughs> I'm getting It's very it. haughty. <laughs> and the people said, Merman Rosmer has long, long arms. Your daughter, Savani, is very, very pretty. Yeah. Merman Rosmer has a fancy for pretty things. He sure does. <laughs> and Lady Hiller said, Bah, I can well take care of my own daughter. No, you can't. <laughs> so she built her castle, and a grand castle it was. But she was wrong, and the people were right. One morning, when Spani was leaning on the castle wall, looking down at the sea, Merman Rosmer looked up and saw her. He reached up his long, long arms and carried her away. Oh, my God. The creepiest fucking thing I can think of. Does he have like Inspector Gadget extendo arms? How? His arms are so long and it keeps coming up and it gets worse. (laughs) They're also big arms. I hate this story. (laughs) I didn't want to give anything away, but I hate it. Is it, isn't that like one of Mr. Fantastic's superpowers from the Fantastic Four where he can... (laughs) Make his arms longer. (laughs) I'm just imagining they're always long, which I think is even worse. (laughs) Uh huh. Wait, does this count as luring her, or did he just? You know, I'm gonna. I think we should do a a Patreon poll and see if that's luring or just snatching (laughs) her. Either way, I fucking hate it. Oh boy, there's so much more. I'm only on the first page. God damn it! Go on, go on, go on, go on. (laughs) Lady Hillers wrung her hands and wept, and the people said. There, what did we tell her? But, oh, no, she wouldn't listen. So then Lady Hiller's eldest son said, Mother, give me a ship. I will sail away and seek my sister, and I will not come back without her. So Lady Hiller's built him a magnificent ship because she's super fucking rich. Mm-hmm. And off he sailed. <laughs> but he didn't find Svani, and he had to come back without her because Merman Rosmer met him on his way. And Merman Rosmer gave the sea one blow with his fist and the ship another blow. He set the whole ocean boiling and beat the ship back the way it had come. Oh, no. He drove it onto the rocks under the castle and wrecked it there. And Lady Hiller's eldest son and his sailors crawled up on the cliff more dead than alive. Then the second son went to Lady Hiller's and said, Mother, give me a ship. I will sail away to seek my sister. Perhaps I shall be more fortunate. So Lady Hillers built him a fine, great ship, and off he sailed. But he wasn't more fortunate. Merman Rosmer met him on his way, gave the ocean one blow and the ship another blow, and drove him back and wrecked him, just as he had wrecked his brother. Yeah, well, he does have magic extendo arms, so. 
I'm just imagining really long, giant arms, and it's so creepy. Yeah. Then the youngest son, whose name was Peterkin, said, Mother, give me a ship. I, too, wish to sail away and seek my sister. Oh, well, he's got a name, so he's, he's going to nail it. And he's the youngest. <laughs> he's the youngest. He's a named character. He's going to get it. <laughs> going to save his sister. But Lady Hillers wouldn't give him a ship because he was only a little lad. What do you know about ships, she said. If Merman Rosmer raises a storm, you will never weather it. Your brothers were wrecked, it is true, but at least they came home. If Merman Rosmer raises a storm against you, you will not come home. But Peterkin was a clever little fellow, and he said to himself, Yes, if Merman Rosmer recognizes me, he will raise a storm, but why should he recognize me? So he disguised himself as a fisher lad and went into oh. the town and bought a little rowing boat and rowed smart. away. He's so smart. And when Merman Rosmer saw that the little fisher lad was rowing in his little boat, he thought no harm at all. He made the sea calm for him and let him row on. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. See, he just wants to hang on to, you know, his stolen bay. He he, he just fell in love with the wrong lady. <laughs> absolutely fell in love with the but he's he's a sea god. He's happily making it, you know, he's making it <laughs> chill for the working people. He's just making life so, hard on the rich fuckers. Is that a problem? Is, is he, there is really, he really a problem to blame? <laughs> I guess he did steal a girl against her will. So I guess that that is a problem. But. That's a big that's he's got that going against him. And that's, that's, yeah, big. that's a big that's a pretty big red flag, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, he could have used those big, gorgeous long arms to throw out a ring first. I mean, come on. <laughs> Peterkin rode and rode and came at last to an island where he landed. <laughs> In that island, there was a cave, and in the cave, there was a passage going down and down and further down till it came to a grand golden palace belonging to Merman Rosmer. So Peterkin went down in that passage, and he came to the palace, and he hid behind a pillar in the courtyard till he saw Merman Rosmer come out. And then he ran in, found Svani in the kitchen, cooking the Merman's supper. So she's also a slave now, which- Oh, boy. Not great. No good. No good. All right. He's got to go. <laughs> when Svani saw Peterkin, she threw up her arms and cried out, Oh, Peterkin, Peterkin, why have you come? If Merman Rosmer sees you, he will break your neck with one flip of his finger. How big is he? <laughs> I'm imagining just, I'm imagining regular size, but like really big arms and hands. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really creepy to me. I don't want that. Take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I've come. I have come to set you free and take you home," said Peterkin. But Svani hustled him away to a corner behind the woodpile, where there she bade him stay and not for his life to stir or sneeze or cough or make any sound. By and by, Merman Rosmer came in again, and Svani said, "Now here is your supper ready. Come eat and drink." So Merman Rosmer sat down and ate and drank. And when he was full and feeling pleased, he held Svani in his long arms and and she stroked his great hand and said, there is a little fisher lad come home to visit me. Only a little lad, dear Rosmer. You won't harm him, will you? No, I won't harm him, said Merman Rosmer. Where is he? Let me see him. So Svani bade Peterkin come out from behind the woodpile, and Merman Rosmer said, So, I know you, my little lad. I watched you rowing in your little boat, and I made the sea calm for you. And he picked up Peterkin and gave him a flip or two with his great fingers. He gave him a flip or two? He just flips him. He flipped him like a coin? Yeah, with his fingers. (laughs) Peterkin was black and blue all over from the hard strength of those fingers. And Svani said, Sir Rosmer, will you never learn the power that is in your ten fingers? But you must go flipping a poor little lad. Well, well, said Merman Rosmer. Rub some ointment on him and put him to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Peterkin stayed in Merman Rosmer's palace for quite a long time. He sounds playful and kind of fun. He definitely doesn't. Have like a, a good sense of wrong or, and right. Nope. But he, he doesn't seem super evil. I agree. Yeah. He just seems he, like he's a 
he seems like he's a sea god who gets yeah. what he wants and has a lot of power and doesn't really give a care about mortals very much. Yep. Outside yeah. of like whether or not they can be amusing. <laughs> <laughs> which is very fun. Which is it's why very I want to read you this story. <laughs> Peterkin stayed in Merman Rosmer's palace for quite a long time. He served Merman Rosmer in every way he could, and he came to like him. Sorry, Merman Rosmer came to like Peterkin. Okay, I was like, you came to like <laughs> the sea god holding you cap? Well, you know, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Svani and Peterkin were always plotting together on ways to escape. So one day, Svani sat herself on Merman Rosmer's lap and said, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I saw our little fisher lad's mother mourning for her son and shedding bitter tears. Dear Merman Rosmer, do you think we could send him home? Well, well, I'll take him home, said Merman Rosmer. Aww. And if we could send a little present with him, said Svani, I think it would cheer his mother's heart. Well, well, I'll carry a present with him, said Merman Rosmer. I can never say no to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he definitely doesn't seem evil, but. No, I know. He's bad, though. He stole her. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This is the part where I start liking him a little more. (laughs) Oh, God, please go. Go for it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just some little trifle, said Svani, for I think you are not rich. Not rich, shouted Merman Rosmer. Who says I'm not rich? There was no one in the sea or on the land who possesses the quarter of the riches I possess. Well, then, perhaps a little bag of copper money, said the artful Svani, if you're sure you can spare it. Copper money be blowed, shouted Merman Rosmer. Is that what you call a gift? Then perhaps a little chest of silver money, said Svani. Just a very little one. Why a little one, shouted Merman Rosmer, and why silver money? Come with me, girl, and I'll show you. He took Svani to his treasure chamber that was piled up with gold. He dragged in a huge chest and filled it with gold. There, said he, that's the way I do things. No one shall call me poor or stingy. This is the (laughs) present our little fisher lad shall take home to his mother to dry her tears. And tomorrow morning we will start on our journey, he and I. It's a long, long way, said Svani. You will have to start very early. I shall start very early, said Bernard <laughs> Rosmer. He's very easy to trick. Yeah, <laughs> he's very prideful. Gods are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> then I will say goodbye to our little fisher lad tonight, said Svani, for I don't like getting up early. Yeah, no, of course you don't. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> She went to Peterkin and kissed him and said, Goodbye, little fisher lad. Give my love to your mother when you get home. But when they were all in bed and the palace shook with Merman Rosmer's snores, he must be just like gigantic. He's gigantic. He's huge. (laughs) He's got such long arms. So upsetting. (laughs) When they were all in bed and the palace shook with his snores, what did Spani do? She got up very, very softly and crept downstairs quietly, quietly, and away with her into the treasure chamber. She emptied the gold out of the chest and stacked the gold neatly away, and then she got into the chest herself and drew the lid. In the morning, Merman Rosmer rose early. He took Peterkin on his back and the chest under his arm and swam and swam until he came to a cliff where the Lady Hiller's castle stood. He stretched out a long, long arm (laughs) and heaved the chest on top of the cliff and set Peterkin up to stand beside it. Off with you into the town now, my my little fisher lad, he said, and fetch a horse and cart and carry the chest full of gold home to your mother. Now I'm going back to my Svani. Peterkin waited till Merman Rosmer had dived down under the sea, and then he ran into the castle and called men out to carry in the chest. Mother, he said to Lady Hillers, I have brought you a wonderful present. But Lady Hiller said, what is the use of your bringing me presents if you can't bring me Svani? Oh. <laughs> well, open the chest. Ha ha. Oh, ho ho. <laughs> Out comes <laughs> Svani. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they rejoiced, all of them together. But in the midst of their rejoicing, they heard a roar from the sea. Yeah, you better get away from the sea. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have opened, you should have like left the castle and opened that chest in town. <laughs> yeah, that right. 
They ran to the windows and saw the waves leaping up to heaven and the foam flying to mingle with the clouds. For Merman Rosmer, having been home and found Spani gone, was coming back in a most terrible rage. I'll teach you to play tricks on me, he roared. <laughs> and the waves roared with him and the cliffs echoed. But nobody stopped to wait for his coming. Lady Hillers and her three sons and Svani and the servants ran out of the castle and fled inland. And well they did, for Merman Rosmer reached up his long, long arms and doubled up his two great fists and struck the castle with such a blow that it tumbled down. Then he went back to his palace under the sea and sulked. Oh, <laughs> which I just last thing is so cute. <laughs> he sulked for a long time. But then one day, he looked out and saw a mermaid swimming by. The mermaid was very, very pretty. And Merman (laughs) Rosmer has a fancy for pretty things. So he reached out his long, long arms and lifted the mermaid into his palace. The mermaid was proud to be the wife of such a great, strong fellow. And so Merman Rosmer was happy again. As for Lady Hillers, <laughs> she built herself another castle far inland, but not nearly such a grand one. And the people said, pride goes before a fall. And if she listened to us in the beginning, she'd have saved herself a lot of trouble. And a lot the of end. money. <laughs> and a lot of money. And a lot of trauma. <laughs> and a lot of trauma for her children. For her and all of her family. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I really enjoyed that story. That was fantastic. Wasn't that wild. That oh was wild. I also like that the story is careful to let us know that, like, don't worry, this in- this ancient sea god with the super long arms has a happy ending too. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I do kind of love that. I love that he finds Me too. himself. <laughs> I love that he finds love. Um, I I love that they make sure to tell you that like the mermaid that he captures is happy to be there. Yes. Yeah. So you you don't have to feel like he's kidnapped someone else. (laughs) And he's rich and pretty generous. I feel like he's just got a few things he's got to work on and he'd be Uh a great catch. (laughs) Uh, It also makes me think of the crab from Moana that just likes shiny things. Uh He's just grabbing stuff and he's like, this is mine now. (laughs) It's very like that, I think. (laughs) So, yeah. That was very silly, and I liked it a lot. I'm glad you liked it. My, I guess my my only fix for it isn't even quite a fix because it doesn't sound like Svani came to any particular harm while she was yeah. with him. But I would like that to be, I guess, specified. Like, did oh, he like tr- he did wa- he try to force her to actually like be his wife, or was she just like cooking him meals and like hanging out with him? Either way, it's traumatic. <laughs> But still. I don't know. She didn't want to be there. She definitely was excited to leave with her brother. Absolutely. And Trick had to trick him into letting her go. But uh-huh. yeah. And then, you know, he literally tried to tear her house down. That's true. Which would have killed them all. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it all worked out. <laughs> can you really blame a sea god for the way that they are? Yes, you probably can. You probably can. Like you probably terribly, should. Uh, problematic <laughs> you, you should probably blame sea gods for the terrible things that they do and i love that the town i love that the townspeople warned her not to build her castle there because of merman rosmer like how many things have he has he took how many yeah. people has he took yeah how many cutie pies has he snatched <laughs> off the cliffs how long does he live? How big are his arms? I want I photos. Don't, I don't want answers <laughs> to these questions. Do you have a fix for the story? That's right. It's called Fairy Tale Fix. Why do I, I keep forgetting to come up with a fix? <laughs> I don't. I really liked it. It's really I thought good. it was really fun. <laughs> it really creeped me out, and it's going to be in my head for a little bit. Mm hmm. I don't think I have a fix. I mean, obviously, like if I were fixing it, I feel like I should fix it and that Merman Rosmer doesn't get a happy ending. I know. Me too. I'm also <laughs> torn because he kidnapped a girl. Like he he kept a girl hostage in his home against her will. That's objectively yeah. it's objectively evil and bad, and he should be punished. But <laughs> 
sulks alone in his castle for the end of his day. Yep, he doesn't deserve happiness. Um, Ooh, or his mermaid bride, uh, she eats him and then a, a becomes <gasps> a goddess, a sea goddess. Yes, that's way better. There we go. I took, I got it. <laughs> mermaid bride eats him. <laughs> <laughs> And then she becomes a massive sea goddess with very, very long arms. No, that's that's it. That's the that's the fix. Perfect. The next Excellent. person he snatches up fucking eats him. Yes, you're so brilliant. You're Thank so you. smart. You're- <laughs> and pretty. And pretty. <laughs> <And> funny. <laughs> you're so smart and pretty and funny. <laughs> okay, so you told me earlier that you were planning on doing a story from the book of mermaids and i thought that was a smashing idea to do mermaids so i also did merfolk but you and i as always are unintentionally on a theme because mine is also about a merman oh my gosh that's so (laughs) funny we're basically the same person (laughs) yeah we share a mind so (laughs) we share the brain cell (laughs) So I picked one out. Um, I got on the Project Gutenberg website. So this is from Mm Gutenberg.org. Just a bunch of free books, free books out there, gang, for you to go peruse. And this is from uh, a book called Folklore and Legends of Scotland, which was originally printed in 1889 and was uh, compiled by some guy named W.W. Gibbings. And I could not find any more information about him. I love it. So there you have it. Scottish merman. It's a Scottish story called The Fisherman and the Merman. Oh, that's so hilarious. I mean, it could be the same story. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I'm actually glad. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, I want to make my predictions. I want to make one prediction based off your prediction. Okay. That there is an important pearl. <laughs> or, yes. <laughs> not an important pearl. Can I say an important object? Like maybe it's a pearl or maybe it's a gem. Like, you know, like a, it's, a, it's a, a an important talisman. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I think that's, that's, that works. That's specific enough, I think. It's, it's a bonus episode. <laughs> An important talisman I, is, I will, yeah, that's good. That's good. It's a bonus episode. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> important talisman. Okay, two. I want to predict, oh my gosh, I want the fisherman and the merman to fall in love. Ooh. That's not going to happen, but that's no. what I want to predict. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good fix. <laughs> that's already a great fix for the story <laughs> okay and or maybe okay so since it's, they definitely don't fall in love but maybe what if it's like a it's like a metaphor for love you know like they don't say it but it's like oh yeah it's they they're friends like deep connected i don't know okay you know, like when, when fairy tales are obviously very gay, but they don't specifically say it. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Okay. Queer baiting. <laughs> okay. It's a queer baiting. It's a queer baiting folklore. Yeah. That's fairy what tale. I'm Okay. Queer baited fairy tale. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. That's my, that's a better way to put that prediction. <laughs> okay. And then the third prediction I have is that the merman has a sea creature friend Ooh, okay. who makes an appearance. Nice. <laughs> I have no idea what this is about, so I'm excited. <laughs> Tell me. Okay. All right. <clears throat> of mermen and merwomen, many strange stories are told in the Shetland Isles. Beneath the depths of the ocean, according to these stories, an atmosphere exists adapted to the respiratory organs of certain beings, resembling in form the human race. I love that. That sounds like a, like the beginning of like a a show, like a sci-fi show. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's why I picked this story is this opening like world building paragraph yeah. is dope as hell. It makes me think of like X-Files kind of. Yes. Yeah. X-Files. It also does kind of remind me of like Supernatural a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of 
a lot of things. Awesome. So great start. Okay. These beings are possessed of surpassing beauty, of limited supernatural powers, and are liable to the incident of death. I assume that means they are immortal. <laughs> I'm this sorry is, I interrupted you. It's still going. <laughs> it's very old-timey writing. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so they're super beautiful, powerful, and uh, can never die. They dwell on a wide territory of the globe, far below the region of fishes, over which the sea, like the cloudy canopy of our sky, loftily rolls, and they possess habitations constructed of the pearl and coral of the ocean. It's also beautifully written. I know. Like, the imagery is gorgeous. Like, the imagining, like, that it's still the ocean, but it's the sky overhead. Mm-hmm. And you live in, like, a coral palace. I fucking love it. It's great. Yeah. Having lungs not adapted to a watery medium, but to the nature of atmospheric air, it would be impossible for them to pass through the volume of water that intervenes between the submarine and supramine world if it were not for the extraordinary power they inherit of entering the skin of some animal capable of existing in the sea, which they are enabled to occupy by some sort of demonical possession. Whoa. The world building is so fun. (laughs) I know. I love this. One shape they put on is that of an animal human above the waist, yet terminating below in the tail and fins of a fish. But the most favorite form is that of the larger seal or half fish. For in possessing an amphibious nature, they are enabled not only to exist in the ocean, but to land on some rock where they frequently lighten themselves of their sea dress, resume their proper shape, and with much curiosity, examine the nature of the upper world belonging to the human race. That. That's what mermaids do. That's their thing. (laughs) Unfortunately, however, each merman or merwoman possesses but one skin, enabling the individual to ascend the seas. And if on visiting the abode of man, the garb be lost, the hapless being must unavoidably become an inhabitant of the earth. Oh, so like if they lose it, they become human. Yeah, they, they have to stay on land. So it's also a little bit like a selkie story. Yeah, yeah. A story is told of a boat's crew who landed for the purpose of attacking the seals lying in the hollows of the crags at one of the stacks. The men stunned a number of the animals, and while they were in this state, stripped them of their skins with the fat attached to them. Leaving the carcasses on the rock, the crew were able to set off for the far shore of Papastur when such a tremendous swell arose that every one flew quickly to the boat. All succeeded in entering it except one man who had imprudently lingered behind. The crew were unwilling to leave a companion to perish on the scaries, whatever that means. The rocks, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the surge increased so fast that after many unsuccessful attempts to bring the boat close in, the unfortunate white was left to his fate. A stormy night came on and the deserted Shetlander saw no prospect before him but that of perishing from cold and hunger or of being washed into the sea by the breakers, which threatened to dash over the rocks. At length, he perceived many of the seals who, in their flight, had escaped the attack of the boatmen, approach the rocks, disrobe themselves of their amphibious hides, and resume the shape of the sons and daughters of the ocean. (gasps) How exciting. I know. And probably terrifying. Horrifying. He just tried to kill kill them. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of them. (laughs) Their first object was to assist in the recovery of their friends, who, having been stunned by the clubs, had, while in that state, been disposed been deprived of their skins when the flayed animals had regained their sensibility they assumed their proper form of mermen and merwomen and began to lament in a mournful song wildly accompanied by the storm that was raging around of the loss of their sea dress which would prevent them from again enjoying their native azure atmosphere and coral mansions that lay below the deep waters of the atlantic but their chief lamentation was for Olavitinus, the son of Gyoga, who, having been stripped of his sealskin, would be forever parted from his mates and condemned to become an outcast inhabitant of the upper world. Hmm. Their song was at length broke off. I, I'm a little confused by this paragraph because there, there are a few of them who are going to be stuck up there, but they're mostly sad for this one guy. I mean, apparently. he sounds important. <laughs> I get, like his mom sounds important. Yeah. Yeah. Their song was at length broken off by observing one of their enemies with shivering limbs and looks of comfortless despair, the wild waves that dashed 
I don't even I don't even know how to interpret this sentence. Um, basically, they get broke. They they see the fisherman that had to be that was yeah, stranded on the rocks. Go and get so him. They stop singing. So Gioga, who's sort of the chief the chief mermaid on the scene, sees that this guy is obviously in dire straits, and so she comes up with a plan to help them both. Nice. She addressed him with mildness, proposing to carry him safe on her back across the sea to Papa Stor on condition of receiving the seal skin of her son. A bargain was struck and Gioga clad herself in her amphibious garb, but the Shetlander, alarmed at the sight of the stormy mane he was to ride through, prudently begged leave of the matron for his better preservation that he might be allowed to cut a few holes in her shoulder and flanks in order to better hang on to her as they swim across the sea. Mm-hmm. She agrees. He grasps the neck of her seal form and committing himself to her care, she landed him safely in Papa Store and he immediately goes and retrieves her son's seal skin, but none of the others, apparently. <laughs> you only have room for one. Only room for one, I guess. And he gives like, it back to Who cares about her. everybody else? <laughs> who cares? Whatever. They're stuck here. It's fine. <laughs> So he gives Gioga the means whereby her son could again revisit the ethereal space over which the sea spread its green mantle. The end. <laughs> that was a really beautiful. It's not, it's not, it's definitely not in the same vein as the story you told me, but I did really like it just mm-hmm. of this different, this just altered mythology for merfolk. Yeah, definitely. That was very cool. Yeah, and I liked that it was a, it was a cooperation story. It was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, humans gotta humans do gotta be humaning. They gotta do their their seal hunting. We're not really upset about that. No one's dead because we're immortal. Yeah, right. And if you wouldn't mind, could you give me back one of the skins <laughs> <laughs> so that my son can come back to our beautiful palace? I feel like he could have done more, but you know, possibly. But I already, I don't really know how I was planning on fixing this before. I think my original fix was that why, my original fix is going to be a similar one to the Roland story, which was why was this called the fisherman and the merman if the son isn't even in it because he's mostly dealing with his mother. Yep. So it should be called the fisherman and the mermatron or something. The mermom. Yeah, yeah. It definitely wasn't anything like I was expecting. No. (laughs) Got got no points. (laughs) Definitely. I guess unless you count the the skin, the seal skin, as being an important object. No, that's that's not really what I was imagining. I didn't think so, but like I can see it. (laughs) But I have a new fix based on what you said before we before we read the story. (laughs) My new fix is that the son thinks this fisherman is so handsome and so intriguing (laughs) that he keeps coming up to visit, and then eventually uh, they get married. Perfect. That is a perfect fix. I love that. It would add a little bit more to the story because the Roman really wasn't in it. <laughs> he wasn't in it. <laughs> it would be what makes the fisherman and the merman about the fisherman and the merman. <laughs> so that's that's my fix is extending it into a romance is my fix for the story. Yeah, it Good started with a lot of promise and then kind of just ended. It, it felt like it ended pretty abruptly. Yeah, it ends pretty abruptly with like a really, really mild problem where everyone gets along. Yeah. Not a lot of conflict. I thought they were going to, I thought the seals were going to see him and like immediately want to go kill him. Me too. Yeah. Revenge. Revenge. That also would be a, a good fix. But then I get, I get that they, yeah. you know, she wanted to get her son's skin back. Yeah. Good, good mom, I guess. But that's, but really mostly the reason why I wanted to read you that story was the first paragraph where it does, where it tells you what mer people are, according to this story. I yeah, thought that, that was, was a cool. really fun interpretation. Mm-hmm. So that's that one. Lovely. Uh, do we do have you, time? Do you want to read a. I think so. I think so. Let's do it. I, I want to hear a random it. The Turnip Princess. Okay. So, uh, tell me when to stop. Oh, okay. Stop. You were not going to believe this. It's I, I landed on seven with one blow. <laughs> it's exactly the same. It's it's a very short version of um of the, the brave little of the brave Taylor. little Taylor. 
Uh, so let's try it again. Okay. Stop. <gasps> okay, this is what I'm reading. I changed my mind. Yay. <laughs> it's exactly one page. This is great. It's close enough. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So <laughs> I'm reading a random selection from uh, The Turnip Princess and Other Newly Discovered Fairy Tales by Franz Xaver von Schonworth. Oh, I love that name. Because these stories tend to be wackadoodle. And I am, <laughs> we haven't done one in a while. <laughs> yeah, so, they always end very abruptly. Very abruptly. Um, and they're usually bazonkers in some way. <laughs> Ooh, do we both get to make predictions for this We then? do. Um, Kelsey, we get to make predictions for the Toad Bride. Oh, fuck yes. Another Toad Bride. Yeah. God, I love it so much. We'll never live up to the Toad Bridegroom. How could it? It's also only one page. So I think we should each make like two predictions. Um, I predict that the Toad Bride gets rejected by her human lover. And I predict that she's a witch. Hell yes, I love that. Actually, I want to predict that it ends with that weird like narrator voice okay nice like, and i was there and, and i was there and and i drank wine and it ran down my mustache or or, or like uh the toad bride is still waiting for her groom love it okay to this day like that kind of thing got it <laughs> i want to i want to predict that the bride is betrothed to another animal and not a human ooh that's a fun one i like it or just not betrothed to a human. <laughs> not betrothed to a human. I, mean, I don't think that's right. Fun but as I, hell. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Getting wacky and wild with the Patreon bonus episode. I lo- like that's a stellar one. Okay. <laughs> the Toad Bride. There was once a man with three sons. Two were clever and the third was foolish that's gonna be the groom. <laughs> yep. Nope. Obviously, it's always, but it like, but it's it's, you know, a, a smart kind of foolish. It always is. So he gives some flax to each of them and says, "Whoever spins the finest thread will inherit my house." It's men spinning. That's fun. The two clever ones found spindles and a spinning wheel and set to work spinning day and night. The foolish one took the flax and ran with the wind back and forth and everywhere imaginable <laughs> through forests and swamps until at last he found himself sinking into the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! <laughs> love <Eagle>. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, this isn't disappointing so far. Yeah, this is very funny. <laughs> Okay, so he's stuck in the mud after behaving like an absolute fool. (laughs) Some toads started hopping toward him, and one of them said, Give me your flax, and we will set you free, but be sure to come back. And so they do so, and he goes home. And after returning home, he comes back. (laughs) Aw, I love him. Yeah, he made a promise. (laughs) The toad gave him this order. Take the thread with you, then let everyone know that you are planning to marry. Be sure to put a bridal veil and dress on the altar. The thread brought home by the third son was much finer than what his brothers had produced, and the father gave him the house. Everyone was planning on coming to his wedding, but there was no bride in sight when they arrived. The church bells were ringing, and the groom was standing at the altar when a toad appeared and slipped into the wedding dress. All at yay. once. Yay. That's so cute. <laughs> All at once, she naturally turned into the most beautiful woman ever seen. You set me free, she exclaimed. I was, damn it, put under a spell by an evil witch. <laughs> <laughs> and the curse could only be lifted when a young man needed my help. After I finished spinning the thread for you, the spell was broken. <laughs> The young man married the beautiful woman and they lived in harmony for many years. The end. Aw, I guess any man will do. Any man will do. <laughs> Just anyone who needs my help. <laughs> the curse breaks when you help a man do something. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> my fix for that story is that she was actually a witch's apprentice who her final task before becoming a master witch 
was to kill everyone at a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was fun, though. I did enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of a toad in a little dress. As as with all stories in the Turnip Princess, they are kind of short and kind of nothing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's a fantastic note to end on to end a bonus episode of Fairy Tale Fix. Thank you so much for being a Patreon. We really, really appreciate you all. We love you so much. Thank you very much for your support. If you haven't already, please remember to leave us a review on Apple or Stitcher as that helps other people find the show and maybe support us as well, which would be nice. Uh, We also adore hearing from you. It seriously makes our lives. So tweet Mm -hmm. at us, email us at info at fairytalefixpod. Tell us all of your own fun tales, personal anecdotes, how you think Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga should be pronounced, (laughs) your favorite fairy tale inspired art, literally anything at all. We love hearing from you. And thanks again for listening. And the merman Rosmer snatches up the wrong badass bitch mermaid who eats him <laughs> and takes over his underwater palace and riches. You picked the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, And the merman is very intrigued by the handsome young fisherman who gave him back his skin. Mm-hmm. So he makes several return trips to the surface and they have <laughs> an epic romance. And they all lived happily... happily Ever. Ever.